Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good afternoon to everyone, and welcome to V Radio. Tonight, V Radio is once again honored to have Jock Fresco and Roxanne Meadows of the Venus Project. Um, thank you guys for coming on. How are you guys, guys doing out there in Venus? We're doing great. We appreciate being on your show again. Thanks. No problem. Um, we were able to print out some questions. I have my copy of them here. Um, the first one is actually from me, but I want to tell everybody uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, if this is your first time checking out V Radio, uh, you can go to my website, vradio.org. That's v radio or v radio.org. Uh, there you can find archives of shows like this one or my must-see TV list of free documentaries that you can watch online. Um, now, uh, that all said, and all of my station identification out of the way, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Feel free to share this broadcast anywhere you like. All I ask is that you give a link to my website so they can come and find more where this came from. So how are you doing, Jacques? Pretty good. How are you feeling? I'm I'm doing a lot better actually. Things seem to be going pretty good out here. Well, we'll see how it, it how it levels out. The the Michigan economy is kind of the the test bed for technological unemployment, so we'll see. <laughs> um so uh the first question actually that was was from me uh was I would like to hear Jock elaborate on his feelings on Zeitgeist moving forward and if it was vindicating to to you to hear professors confirm what you have been saying all these years. Did you hear that? Was Side Guys Moving Forward vindicating for you to have professors saying what you've been saying all these years? Sorry, Shock's a little hard of hearing. I have to repeat it. Oh, uh, I can't. I can only say that it doesn't make any difference to me. The very fact that they're saying that, whether they said it or not, I would still accept the fact that environment is dominant in shaping human values and behavior. It doesn't matter what other people say. If I were concerned with the with the works of authorities, I wouldn't be doing my own thing. Absolutely. Well, I can say that it was at least from somebody who's had to debate you know this issue on the internet. It, it was kind of refreshing. But I, I agree with what you're saying, and it's um, one of the reasons why I've had to say in the past to my friends who are um, you know who are studying to make sure that they don't allow the education system to limit them too much. Um, but were you overall happy with the film? Yes, it was well done. I can only say this. A lot of people say to me, why do I repeat myself so many times? Because I don't get any new questions. <laughs> In all my trips in all the different countries, all the questions were the same. So I'd like some very new questions so I don't have to repeat myself. No, and I, I understand that, and it becomes tough. I often have to tell people that they, they follow your work so closely and that you're you're generally addressing new people each time, so obviously you're going to have to repeat yourself some. You know, they can't expect you to say brand new things at every location. That's just silly. Um, now, uh, moving on. Um, I, I'd like to make a comment on what you're talking about. These oh, folks. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, talking about they've come to the conclusion that tech, that environment shapes behavior and our detrimental behavior or our positive behavior, but they don't come up with an alternative to the environment, what it should be like. You would think that might be the next step, 
but they didn't do that. And, and this is something that Jock came up with when he was very young, when he reached those conclusions. So what, what do we do next? What type of environment would have a positive outcome for human behavior and maintain the environment? Well, I absolutely agree. They don't go there, and I don't even know if they would agree with these conclusions. Well, that's, you know, and it's, it's, well, it kind of also proves that people can do their own research and come to these conclusions on their own. They don't have to go to any accredited, you know, places. Uh, you know, Jock studied behavior on his own, you know, it, and that's a very viable way of handling things. And I've met many accredited people who have no freaking idea what's going on outside of what they've been told to say in their books. Um, so it kind of goes both ways. Um, but in any case, uh, did either of you have anything further to say on that, or do you want to move on? Move on. Okay, this next question, I was kind of hesitant as to whether or not I was even going to put it on here, but it basically has to do with, because people ask about this, you know, why did the Venus Project apparently, I think this is inaccurate, sue the Promethean Workers Association for the term resource-based economics, Shouldn't the Venus Project avoid corrupt systems of manipulation in order to remain credible? I don't think an unknown company that has been barely registered will basically, I'm, not, I'm just going to paraphrase, I think we should just elaborate on who the Promethean workers were, how they wanted to bring metaphysics into the Venus Project concept, etc. Well, I, I really don't know that much about them, um, but the first premise is, is a, a, a total lie. I don't know what who mentioned this, we didn't sue them at all. We did, we're not interested in suing anybody. So the whole rest of the question really doesn't doesn't apply. Right. But um, I, I don't know much about them. I know there are many splinter groups that went off and started using the word resource-based economy and interpreted it in their own ways um, and took the words saying that you know, it was kind of open source and that this was, other people came upon that a long time ago, but Jacques really coined the term resource-based economy. It means something very specific from a lifetime of work. So they just took it and interpreted it in their own way and used it how they wanted to. The question as to uh, why I'm concerned about that is because I'm responsible. If they use the term Venus project, and fill in all their own garbage in there, which I have nothing to do with, I can't deal with it. If they study the Venus project and keep in line with it, at least I I can say yes or no. But when they stick their own stuff in, it is no longer the Venus project. Or a resource-based economy. That's actually an extremely good answer, and I remember telling people something very similar. I read the Promethean workers stuff over, and they have a lot of metaphysical ideas that they wanted to add into the concept. Um, and apparently they were founded in like 2006 or something. I mean, it's it's a tiny little group. They've got like a MySpace. They don't even have a website anymore. Um, so it, but yeah, it's it is very much that people don't. Know, it's like it's a concept of if somebody gets this wrong. And does it wrong, then it then it affects the entire idea. Um, it, it would it would it could discredit us, even if you know even if those aren't beliefs that we hold at all. So, if you want to know anything about the Venus Project, contact the Venus Project, because you're going to get all kinds of opinions from all over the world of different people's interpretations. Right. Now. Um, 
Jock had mentioned a competency exam as an alternative means of accreditation. How would this differ from existing institutions of examination in the educational sector, and what tangible benefits would such a system provide over those which are currently in place? Okay. Years ago, engineers and scientists used to write books on why man can't fly. The Wright brothers never read their books, so they built a flying machine. Sometimes authorities say things that they themselves do not have the answers to, and they talk about it as though it would be impossible. In other words, people have to learn how to talk, have to learn how to say, I don't know. When you say, someday man will go to the moon, a person might say, instead of, well, man, I'll never be able to go to the moon, not for a thousand years. That's her own opinion. Just say, I know nothing about rockets. I know nothing about space travel. I can't answer that question. And when people say, do you think we'll colonize Mars? Just say, I don't know. I don't know enough about the problems involved in that. But they've got answers for everything. The average person will say, well, you won't see that for the next 10,000 years. Not based on anything, but their own little self-centered opinion. Absolutely. Now, in regards to the idea of people taking an exam to prove that they're credible in a given uh, subject, I uh, think it was a I think it was a guy that dealt with fabrics that found bacteria in a microscope. He was the first guy to observe bacteria. He wasn't a doctor, and the first doctor that claimed the order to wash your hands after doing an autopsy to prevent childbirth fever was kicked out of the hospital by the authorities. There's no such thing as an authority in medicine. Medicine is an art, not a science. Some portions of it are scientific, but a great deal of it is art. Psychology is not a science yet, and still you do behavioral sciences. The study of human behavior and the factors that set the, set the values in a person's head. You have to track that down to find out where aberrant behavior comes from. You can't find out by treating people. You have to study the environment they come from. That'll tell you all about them. All I have to do is fly over a city, and if it's thatched huts, I can tell you what the value systems are. If I fly over a city like New York, where every building is a different size, is different shape, different color, I can say it's a me-for-myself type society. It's not integrated. There's no intelligence in society today. I agree with you. I'm sorry, go ahead. Louis Pasteur was not... uh, Louis Pasteur perhaps kept many of us our lives. He gave us many things that helped us, where the authorities at the time poo-pooed Louis Pasteur. They said he was a quack. The competency exam is really the fact that the Wright brothers built the airplane, that Alexander Graham Bell made the telephone. He was not an electrical engineer. Alexander Graham Bell used to teach the deaf to speak, and he made the telephone. Most of your great ideas do not come from the establishment. They come from outside the establishment. The establishment makes sure that you adhere to the system. And don't forget, most universities are sponsored by established institutions. And if you speak against the institutions, they don't put up money for the universities. 
That's why it's difficult for people that have different ideas to be given airtime on the radio. Because cigarettes bring in a lot of money. Selling beer and wine brings in a lot of money to a broadcasting company. If they attack cigarettes as cancer sticks, they're not going to get advertising. Do you understand? The establishment is well entrenched to keep out ideas that would threaten any established system. Absolutely, Jacques. And that's, you know, the funny thing is, is also the way that the money system ends up impacting education is terrible. Uh, there's a very good documentary about this called uh, Declining by Degrees, Higher Education at Risk. And it talks about the fact that professors are not paid more for being good teachers. They're paid more for research papers. And in fact, if they fail students, no matter how bad they are, they can be fired because the, the colleges lose tuition money. They don't even care if you're competent. A competency exam would be a way to prove that you're good for, good enough for the you know for the thing in question, without having to do all these other things that they add to it that are generally based around the money system as well. They want you to take other courses and force you to study a bunch of things that may have nothing to do with what it is you want to be accredited for. Uh, remember that Edison had no degrees, and he was not establishment. He came from the outside. And that goes for a lot of new ideas. Uh, they don't come from the establishment. And a lot of people say, how come Fresco does all the designs? How come there's no teamwork? Actually, when you think about it, now you have to think about what I'm saying. Louis Pasteur was an individual. The Wright brothers were individual. Einstein and his serious relativity <laughs> came from Einstein, not a teamwork. Teams never gave us anything. They were mostly establishment. Now, there's nothing wrong with teams if they're supervised by Oppenheimer, Einstein, all the people, Yuri, the people that worked on the nuclear bomb, directed people in, in research. You see, Tesla was an individual. It wasn't a group of people that gave us induction. It was individuals. If you look at the history of science, all great works Newton and many other scientists were people that did a lot of work on their own. There was never a team that came up with a new way of building a city. Whenever you have a team, it's a gathering of insufficiencies. And the difference, too, is that, that everybody would have access to education and competency. So if there's somebody that said it won't work, something that somebody wanted to try, they'd have to sign that they said it won't work. And if it does work, then they're moved out or gone. They go back to school. They're not put in those positions and be able to get away with that type of thing, saying things won't work without testing them out. Don't forget, every bit of progress in the world, from women's rights to vote, uh, from removing children from factories where they worked them long hours, fought every inch of the way to get every wonderful democratic idea into practice. Nothing was well accepted. Freedom of the slaves was fought. And if you taught a slave to read, you were fined. Because if you teach people to read, you can't control them too well. So the books in many libraries, there are many people that try to remove books from libraries due to the wonderful work of many librarians that we need every point of view in the library so people can be better informed. Remember, that people that say they love this country would like to see a church on every corner. 
the church, even if you pick up the Bible, it says thou shalt not kill. And yet they go to war. And ministers go to war blessing war tanks. They don't seem to understand what they're reading. The reason I stay away from religion, because men made such a mockery of it, and, and so prostituted themselves to fit in with the economy. Every church fits in with the economy. Here's the proof. Catholic priests bless war tanks in America. In Italy, they bless the war tanks and bless the soldiers there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, they don't understand the Bible. The Bible has yielded to the monetary system. Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple. Now they're all back in. They control everything. That's absolutely true, Jacques. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of sad because, you know, there there is some pretty noble ideas in some of those religions, and they end up being corrupted, essentially used as you know, religion becomes a tool of the state. It becomes a tool to you know to motivate people to go to war, like the Japanese and the Shinto religion. They believe they were protecting their emperor when they flew planes into the sides of ships. Of you know, course. it's all nonsense. Now, um, was there anything further on that, guys, or can we go on? Well, I can only say the reason we we engaged in the space program because the Russians had this Sputnik up there. Yeah. They didn't engage for scientific reasons or really understanding space. In other words, the reasons we do things are really shallow. I agree. And also, during the time of the Wright brothers, the scientists were writing books about why man can't fly. Didn't catch that. The phone rang. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, we went over that. Um, well, uh, let me go ahead and move on to... Uh, let me see. Is Jock certain that in order to begin the transition toward an RBE, we would need massive funding and over a quarter of the world's governments on board before we can ever hope to achieve anything remotely similar to an RBE? Well, we would have to be sponsored. We have no, no way of raising funds to build a new city. And if we did build a new city, I would build it anywhere, Africa, Germany, France, England, wherever they wanted to build this new city. And the experimental city would help us determine the range of what of, of our resources and what is available and what we can accomplish. I would build it anywhere, Latin America, any place. It doesn't make any difference what kind of government, as long as they want to build the experimental city. But if you don't raise funds to do it, I can assure you nothing will happen. We live in a monetary system. There's no way to build the first city or do a motion picture on the future of society and how to attain it without a motion picture. So we do need contributions and support. You know, sometimes people call me and say, Jock, when you get that new city built, let me know. I'm coming down to live there. You have to work at it. Don't put it on our backs. We need your support. If you do nothing, I can assure you nothing will happen. Roxanne, did you want to comment? Yeah, there is no set number. You know, this person asked if there's a quarter of the world's governments before we have our RBE. You know, we're going to be in transition for quite a while. It's not going to happen that all over the world everybody's going to start this, this type of thing. If we're negotiating now with other countries, we'll see what we can do. If we can get many different countries on board to do a, a city together, and, and we would 
we would hope that these different countries that we're working on would begin to share resources together and it would help their standard of living increase. So, you know, we're going to do what we can and um, it, it depends on the social, biosocial pressures of the rest of the world, what happens, the conditions in the rest of the world, how bad it gets before people begin to revolt all over like they're doing in, in, in Egypt. So, you know, that it's hard to say what will happen, and it, it just depends on the conditions out there. What's happening in Egypt will happen all over the world. It's just a prelude to the future. And that's why it's so important for us to have these ideas out there, out there now. If we had a huge Zygites movement or Venus Project awareness in Egypt, who knows what would happen after the fall of, of the government there. Yeah, that's actually a question that has commonly come up was just, you know, what was what was Jock's opinion and what's going on in Egypt? Um, you can watch that on Al Jazeera TV pretty much 24 hours a day. The, the people are uprising. I know a lot of us, like, because there, there was a very small chapter in Egypt of the Zeitgeist Movement, and we're really worried about them because we haven't heard anything uh, from them since this all started. And we were all thinking, you know, man, I mean, it's, it's kind of dangerous there, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, if it is, uh, you know, if it's almost we wish we could do showings of moving forward over there to give these people an idea because they're all going to be looking for a solution when they finally topple that government. Yes, even if they even if they topple the government, they still don't know what to do. That's right. Yep, that's very true. Now, let me uh, go ahead and I guess uh, move on. Um, now, is there no way that a city can begin? completely isolated on its own without major cooperation from the majority of the Earth's population? How are we going to pay for it? How are we going to buy the concrete and the land? People have to donate either land, materials, finances to do that. And if they do nothing, nothing will happen. They all put it on us. When are you going to build that new city? When are you going to do this? You know, we don't have funds for that. We've been paying for all our own equipment for over 30 years here in Venus. Nobody sponsored us. And if you don't sponsor us, nothing will happen. So we need your support. We'll do the work. We're not asking you for work, volunteer. But if you can, we can use your services. That's very true. Um, and I guess it's, I think what they're asking, though, is what if we actually had uh, the money to build one city, could that happen if the rest of the world wasn't on board? Yes, it could happen. And we would invite people to that city to show them what it's like. And then we'd ask them to build one or two in Russia, two or three in France, England, and gradually merge and bring all the nations together. We'll bring them together as fast as we can. But we can't force anybody into anything. That's why we'd like to make a motion picture which would show people in different countries the advantages of a resource-based economy. That's really what we'd do if we had funding first, because we'd want to show what life would be like in the resource-based economy and then show how we get from here to there so it's real for people and help answer people's questions and make it palatable for the general public. That's what we'd like to, to gear towards. So we look at it as kind of social therapy, so they're not afraid of this direction if they hear about it and get and it gets misinterpreted by people that don't understand this direction. They project their own values into it continuously. They think it's a dictatorship of technicians or scientists who control things. 
there is no technical elitism in the Venus Project, scientific or otherwise. There's no prisons, no police, because there's no need for it. If people have access to the necessities of life, they do not steal. And what people don't seem to get through their heads, that if orange trees grew all over the world, you couldn't sell oranges. Do you understand what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's no basis for a monetary system unless there's scarcity. And the more scarcity, the greater the basis for a monetary system. Bankers do nothing. Financiers do nothing to make the world a better place. They actually make no contributions. They're detrimental to the well-being of people. That goes for advertising, law, all the professions, and all the man-made laws are strictly BS, control devices, attempting to control human behavior. I mentioned before, the only laws that count are natural law. If you're not fed properly, if you don't get enough sleep, you get sick. So we have to find out how we relate to nature, how we relate to one another, how to improve our language so there's minimum conflict. All that has to be done. And this is what the Venus Project tackles. All the things that involve human behavior and security, sustainability for every nation on Earth, not any one nation. If you try to develop sustainability for any one country, you're harming other countries. Absolutely, Jack. Um, now, go ahead, Roxanne. It wouldn't even make it if you had sustainability for one country and the neighboring country is hungry. They would come over your walls if they put walls up. It really has to be global now. We have to take care of the needs on a global scale. And this is what religion should be doing. Today, religion to me has become a verbal hobby rather than an action pattern. You know, when people say to me, what are the spiritual aspects of the Venus Project? No poverty, no hunger, no unemployment, no more charitable organizations, and everybody can go to any school they want to. There is no taxation and no money. If there's no money, you can't sell drugs, you can't have prostitution, you can't have gambling. If you use money, you can pay off senators, you can pay off congressmen. There are lobbies in Washington that press financially to get the position of advantage. The monetary system is utterly corrupt. There's no way to change it unless you get rid of the money system. We have the ability today to mass produce goods and services of all kinds. We don't have to sell things anymore. We can make things available to people without a price tag. And that would be the beginning of the civilized world. We had the capability in 1927 to mass produce and do something like this. People always ask, do we have the technology to do this? We have, we definitely have the technology to make this happen. Yep, that's, you know, it's it's sad just how little people know about that. It's, I still have to educate people about uh like geothermal energy they don't they don't even know that you know like we've talked about that so many times but in iceland there's plenty of geothermal energy and people aren't even aware of it um and it's slowly starting to change i think um but you know especially since the green thing is becoming in vogue but overall um this basically you know it it comes down to that is that we need to tell other people about that there was so much of this idea that just came from educating people about technology that they were not even aware existed that's been in practice for a long time. I often tell people if they want proof that it works, 
people already live off the grid, like almost at least 90% off the grid with very little need for money in their own little personal resource-based economies. There, you know, That's possible right now. And then there are communities of people that are doing it. There's no reason we can't do this on a larger scale. And we could do it even more efficiently. No, it's our job to get this information out there. If you don't get the information out there, there's no basis for change. Absolutely. Now, moving on, um, let's see. He says, okay, nope, that was a different question. Okay, so, okay, we are living in a Venus project with all those people going to study whatever they want. Who is going to decide who is going to play Stradivari violins? I guess the crux of his question is, how do we decide who gets to use rare items? Uh, when you want to, when something goes wrong with your laptop, you don't call the baker next door. You call an electrician, somebody that deals with computers. In other words, when you want to build a bridge, you don't ask American people uh, to go build a bridge. You get bridge engineers. And the bridge engineers can't even decide because they say how much is appropriated for the bridge. And they say $50 million. That determines what the bridge would be like and how much safety factors are built in. In other words, even bridge engineers or skyscraper designers do not design the building until they know how much money you put up and what the building is for. In fact, even bridge engineers say, well, how many cars a day are going to go over that bridge? Does it handle trucks? Do you want it secure from ice and snow? In other words, the whole design of the bridge is based upon many different surveys. The bridge engineers don't design the bridge. Their appropriations and the amount of traffic it's going to carry helps determine the shape and design of the bridge. You know, people are always worried about that there won't be enough things, that things will be scarce, that there are certain things that are scarce that everybody wants to use. But, um, you know, what's upheld as value is culture-bound. And things that are scarce, if there are materials that are scarce, then that's what scientists would be put on. So we wouldn't have scarcity. We'd have other alternatives of our, our other materials. If You know, today science can make a violin that can play just as well as, as the older violins and even better. It's just a status item that people want to play that particular violin. People say, well, what happens if everybody wants to live in Florida? Everybody doesn't want to live in Florida. They like the change of climate. Absolutely. All the questions that they raise are mostly self-centered, not based on understanding of statistical data. Say, what if everybody wanted to be a doctor? Not everybody wants to be a doctor. People want to do different things. Yeah, it, it is kind of a straw man or red herring. Like they're asking questions that aren't even based in reality. They they give you these extreme situations that would never happen. I apologize for interrupting, Roxanne. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that they're they're also basing the ideas in the future based on the values of today. People won't have those values that they need prestige to play that type of violin. That's you know. That's, go ahead. They would have more consideration for other people, too. If they are enjoying something, they would want to have other people enjoy it, too. You know, if they had an, an art exhibit of Picasso, if that's what people like, 
then they wouldn't want to hoard it. They'd want to send it around so everybody could enjoy it. It'd be a very different type of value system. They'd be, they might be ostracized or looked down upon if they wanted to hoard their their artwork. You know, you'd put it in the newspaper. These people don't want to put their their Picasso artwork around the world so others can see. They only want to put it in their home, so they'd be ostracized. Their friends would look down on that. That's very true, and it's. I think that's a large part of it that people don't understand is that there. You know, it really is a social stratification element. It's like fashion. You know, it's like, do you want to have an Epiphone Les Paul guitar, which sounds exactly the same as a real Les Paul? Or do you want to have the real Les Paul? Well, people want the real Les Paul that costs about $2,000. It's the same damn guitar. It's just made in a different country. Um, Marketing. Yeah. Uh, Let me tell you one of the the most socially offensive professions today. There are engineers that design things to wear out and break down. Do you know that? They study how to make a lamp burn out, and they give you a warranty that's pretty close to the time it burns out. Do you know they do research in working on things that will break down and wear out? Look at your cell phones. Years ago, the telephone company had a phone put in your home which never broke down. You could drop it on the floor. It was the only thing you didn't own that lasted a long time. Because the phone company did not want to service it. But the junk you buy today, the cell phones, everything is crap. It's designed to wear out and break down to keep you consuming more and more inefficient materials. That happens with almost everything. I know just saw a documentary that was very interesting about that, planned obsolescence. In order to keep the market going, in order to keep thing, people buying, that's what keeps the system going. They have to make things wear out and break down at a certain time. When they made the stockings for women, first came out with that, they made them so strong that they didn't run. And so the, the company head sent the scientists back into the lab to make them wear out and, and be very delicate and fragile. And they felt very badly about that. Same with the light bulb, as Jacques mentioned. They they just recently had a um, a party for a light bulb in a firehouse, I forget where it was, that lasted 100 years. It's still burning. And they could do this when they first came out with light bulbs. But they at, at the beginning, they had 2,500 hours before it would break down. And then they made it 1,000 so they would sell the light bulbs more readily. So it, it's, it's really vile, and corrupt. It goes for batteries, flashlights, everything you buy is designed to wear out and break down. The system is obsolete. It's old, dangerous, and socially offensive. All these people would be considered criminals in the future. Your Supreme Court judges, your judges, they make no effort to study conditions that shape behavior. And psychologists work on people that have problems. It isn't the people, it's the environment they're reared in that creates the problems. Uh, yep, that's a really good point, Jacques. Uh, I want to take a quick moment to give a shout-out to uh, Sean111 in the chat room. Um, he was asking me if this was a pre-recorded show. <laughs> I kept assuring him that it was a live show, but because he sees me multitasking, he didn't think it was possible I could be doing three things at once. In any case, uh, let's get back to the, the broadcast. Um, all right, well, those are all excellent points. Um, now, if there is now this is another one and it basically I, I guess I can read the question but and I'll give you the crux afterwards but if there is no law 
and no and no coercion, no force. How are you going to prevent people from taking the lithophaga lithophaga from the sea? Apparently, it's a very rare, delicious shellfish, and people are like destroying the environment to get to this shellfish. How would we deal with this problem? And essentially, the crux of the question is: How do we prevent people from harming rare creatures? or damaging the environment to get rare things in a world with no police or soldiers. What most people do not understand is that the Venus Project is an educational system. When people are educated to understand that you cannot design a society that is not in perfect accord with the carrying capacity of the Earth's resources. That's the way we think about things. When people are properly educated, you don't have those problems. You only have problems in a society that's in, immersed in insufficiency. Also, excuse me, also there's a reason why they want to get those rare things. It's because there's a high price on them. If there wasn't a high price on them and you learned about the environment and how you depended on it, they wouldn't want to do that. They wouldn't want to ruin the environment because they understood that they, their well-being and their livelihood depends on the the health of the environment. Yep. The public is not educated, Neil. All your universities and schools are very well equipped. But remember, the bombs are getting worse. The destructive power of weapons are getting worse. They're using laser weapons. In other words, there's no evidence that there's intelligent life on Earth yet. <laughs> Only when the nations join together and share the Earth's resources with one another, well, that'll be the beginning of the scientific age. It'll be the beginning of the civilized world. We are not civilized yet, Neil. I agree, and I, I can't wait until we get there. Um, it's, and I think that another thing about this when it comes to these shellfish, I imagine that we could find a way to, if people really wanted these damn things, we could find a way to, you know, to you know, to have them grow somewhere else that isn't going to damage the environment. There has to be a way that we could farm them if they were that important. I just, I don't think it'll be an issue. I understand where he's coming from because sometimes people do these things, and I think that they they always think that we need laws or we need soldiers or we need police. What we need is a cultural value change because as it is already, police and soldiers are not stopping people from poaching these things anyway. You know, never worked anyway. America jails are loaded with prisoners. We have the highest rate of prison population in the world in America. And they say this is the greatest country in the world. In what area? Me for myself? Yes. That's the kind of country you have today. It's so full of advertising and BS that the public themselves really don't know what the answers are. That's why they bring you up to believe that you're responsible for everything that happens in life. The reason for that is so that society is never blamed. Politicians are never blamed. They say you can make a success of your life or a failure. It depends on the environment you're reared in. If you're brought up in Nazi Germany as a baby, you become a Nazi. If you're brought up by the headhunters of the Amazon as a baby, you become a headhunter. Man has no choice when he's brought up in a society that offers no choice. That's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, as far as, like, the, these issues that come up, you know, it, it, I think that it, it's also about ex helping people to understand that, you know, that 
laws and, and coercion and force, it's not just about being immoral. It's not even effective. It, it, I mean, it's better than having nothing, but you know, but overall, as as opposed to just changing the environment to be more predisposed towards good behavior, that's always going to be the superior answer. All right. If you're religious, the Venus Project is everything the Bible talks about. There's no poverty, no hunger, no exploitation of any kind. So if you really believe in God, if you really believe in the brotherhood of man, the Venus Project is the nearest thing to that, only it's not a verbal hobby. It has a method for achieving that. The religious churches have been talking religion for centuries and they haven't stopped crime, they've never stopped jealousy, envy, argument, mistreatment of women, never can accomplish anything. It's, it's sold out to the monetary system because the church depends on donations and support. We would support all religions if they wanted to maintain a church. You wouldn't have to dig up nickels and dimes. We would store food in the polar regions. All surplus food would be dehydrated and compressed. So if there was an earthquake in Japan or anywhere in the world, we'd have access to food immediately. You wouldn't have to go to schools and ask them to bring in a box of oatmeal for the poor starving Japanese. You wouldn't have to do that. You don't need charity. You don't need charitable organizations. You don't need Christian behavior. Once the society provides for the needs of human beings, you don't need all the artificiality. Or the laws that don't say, that say don't steal. It seems quite obvious and all the deviant behavior that the monetary system produces, you know, the acquisition of wealth, property, and power, it, it would be a totally different value system. And all the things that people are worried about today would be automatically changed. We wouldn't take the same values into the future that would generate its own values. Neil, you've got to remember that people just don't move into the new cities. They take a course first in how the new city operates. Just like you become a doctor and you learn how to use surgical instruments, MRI, X-ray machines. In other words, the people of the future will be different. And always say, what if a guy, two guys are in love with the same girl? They, get, they ask the so all the same questions that have been with us for centuries. The people are educated and knowledgeable. They understand that they reject people. Therefore, sometimes a female rejects you because of her value system, not because there's something wrong with you. If you're rejected, you feel bad. That's because you don't understand that different people are brought up with different symbols and different values. And if they do reject you, it's not because you're bad or inefficient or have a low self-sufficiency. They reject you because they have a set of standards that are different than yours. You know, Jack, that's another thing that I usually get when, when I answer that question. Actually, somebody brought that up during the Michigan Q&A, and um, I pointed out to them that the, the situations where two people are in love with the same woman are due to a scarcity of people that they're compatible with. And in a world like the Venus Project proposes, with travel being free, you have an entire world worth of people to look at and decide if you're if you're you know compatible with them. There's no reason to compete over just one girl. It, it's not just too many fish in the sea. There, there's there's too many people on the earth at that point. You're not even just dealing with the sea. You know, it, it, the the abundance of people that you could be attracted to and compatible with would end these problems. Putting it bluntly, 
your society is a phony and corrupt system. That goes for all societies all over the world. They are all corrupt and twisted in terms of the economy that they have raised in. The system I'm talking about brings all the world together to work and share the resources. Do not destroy the forest. Do not dump toxic materials into the ocean and rivers. In other words, people will be brought up to take good care of the environment because we are all alive because of the clean air, clean water. And if we, if we don't take care of those systems, we're going to hurt ourselves eventually. That's right. Now, Roxanne, was there something you wanted to say? No, I was just going to agree with you. I thought you were absolutely right about that there would be many people to to have companionship with for many different reasons. You wouldn't have to be with just one person if you didn't want to. I, I always like the saying, Jacques says, there, you, um, you'll love as many people who are lovable, no matter what you, you're, you, if you have a marriage license or not, you can't help that. That's very true. That's very true. And it's, it, I mean, you see it already just from the advent of the Internet. People are finding people that are their life mates over the Internet. It doesn't always work out, but, you know, you have access to all these people. I mean, there are lots of girls that I talk to on the Internet that if I could go meet and, you know, and date them, I'd probably have a good relationship with them. It's not practical, obviously, right now, but in a, in a resource-based economy, I could go meet all of them and figure out if any of them were good for me. Um, and that's it's it's just a scarcity of companionship that comes up. You're generally kind of limited to, you know, what women or men, as the case may be, are in your immediate vicinity, and you wouldn't be limited like that in a resource-based economy. I wanted to say that the wealthiest person today would be far better off in a resource-based economy than a monetary system. That's what the, they have difficulty understanding. They have no mentality today. They, they become investment bankers, and all they know is where to put their money with the least amount of work and get the highest returns. That's a me-for-myself society where you never really live. You never really learn about life and all the wonderful things you can learn about when you're brought up in a resource-based economy. No more uh, accumulation of material wealth. Everybody talks against materialism. But we are the world's greatest when it comes to living a materialistic society. All right. Well, that being said, let's move on to the next question. Um, now, we moved on. Okay, we talked about this. Okay, actually, uh, now we're kind of talking about relationships, ironically. Um, they would like to know your thoughts on polyamory, you know, monogamy, just, you know, the state of you know, would in the future, would people have multiple partners or would they only have one partner? Or, you know, I mean, I, I know the answer is that they're free to choose, but how do you think relationships along the line of which partners you have, how many, you know, how do you feel that would evolve in the future? Okay, the future will generate its own values in relation to existing conditions. Do you understand what that means? Yes. The future will evolve a set of values unique to that time. Uh, and it will keep changing with the passing of time. There are no fixed values in anything, no final frontiers, no fixed laptop, no utopias, a constantly changing society, a constantly changing world with ideas developing in accordance with the state of technology or the availability of resources. In the future, with nanotechnology, 
we'll, we'll be able to produce anything we want to. There'd never be a shortage of anything. Look into nanotechnology. It should excite the hell out of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Roxanne, did you want to comment any on the relationship issue? No, I was just thinking that, um, you know, even today with the ideas of just um, a wife and a, a husband and a wife and one woman, you know, for the whole lifetime, if, if they had some kind of disease where, where um, half the men, half the population of the male, half the male population died, then women would take on more than one husband. You know what I mean? The conditions yeah. dictate whatever the laws are at the time. We're not saying there would be laws in the future. You'd be free to explore whatever you want to explore. We don't, you know, they, they don't dictate what society relationships changes. would be. Society changes on the basis of bio-social pressures or the march of events. It has nothing to do with the whims of politicians or what they think the future ought to be. The future will evolve in accordance with availability of resources and the biosocial pressures. You know, and to... to oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, unless you were done. Um, you to, say something. To uh, further elaborate on what you suggested, uh, like, for example, I talked to some Mormons, and obviously, you know, they're, you know they have religious beliefs, but I asked them about, mono, uh, about monogamy and about polygamy, and they pointed out that the polygamy started in the Mormon culture um, after the Civil War, there were all these girls that had nobody to take care of them. And especially in those days when women could not just go get a job, you know, it was that, you know, that was what started it. He said he admitted that, you know, it ended up getting abused and just became a, a tool of, you know, some bad things. But he pointed out that that was an example of just their society adapting within their that's, culture that's, to that. That's interesting. That's exactly what I mean by biosocial pressure. Yeah. Right. Um, now, anyway, I, I would also point out that I know that we've talked about this in the past, and it, it would come up is that in the future, uh, people would not own each other. You know, that relationships would be based on the sharing of values and how much you have in common and how much you enjoy each other's, be, you know, company. Of course. Right. Yep. And uh, so, in any case, uh, all right, we're now on to, unless you had something more? Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, people ask would people be um, heterosexual or bisexual and I, I'm taking this from Jacques Jacques always says they may be trisexual they'll try anything <laughs> who knows you know well you know society's already kind of moving in that direction now <laughs> but that's ironically that you bring that up um, the next question is about sexual orientation uh, do you feel that sexual orientation is environmentally created I mean are people born straight or born gay or influenced to be straight or gay no, I would put it this way. If everybody walked around nude as children, swam nude, no one would collect pictures of a nude woman. No one would be a peeping Tom if you had people swimming nude when they were very young. You understand what I mean? Yes, I do. What makes the differences in people is the environment they're reared in. If you raise little girls around cowboy pictures... They walk and talk like cowboys. If you raise people in Japan, American babies in Japan, they will behave just like the Japanese do. If you raise an American baby in Germany, they will speak with a German accent when they come to back to America. 
So you see, environment really shapes behavior. And also, if a girl lives in a home where the husband beats his mother three times a day, very cruel, the girl might grow up with the idea, boy, I'm never getting married. And where she's coming from, I can understand that. Do you understand that? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, go ahead. There's so many interacting variables as somebody grows up to determine the sexual orientation that, you know, it it, it is the environment that sets that pattern. I don't and believe anything is inborn except reflexes. Well, you know, and I've seen that uh, because people make that argument, and I, I tend to point out, like, for example, because there are gay couples who may adopt a child who still grows up to be straight, but those gay couples usually make a very big point to let the child know that they can choose whichever they want and that, you know, that they'll be happy with them regardless. They reinforce, you know, that individual choice um, so that people can still, you know, that their children can grow up to be any way they want. Do, do you understand? I mean, would that work? Do you, do you agree with that? Look, in the Bible, it says King Solomon had a thousand wives. Mm -hmm. Today, he'd be arrested as a bigamist. Right. Do you understand what I mean? Absolutely. So, in the early days, in the Bible, it says that a man took a wife that was 13 years old. You know, they were all child molesters. It all depends on the culture you're brought up in. There's no right, no wrong, no good, no bad. There are different cultures that shape different values and different patterns of behavior in people. We will, in the future, deal with aberrant behavior and correct all the things, not according to Fresco standards, but what's good for people. Teach them how to relate to one another, how to find meaning in their own life, how to pursue things, and how to find answers to things without giving their opinion about anything. If they don't know anything about it, They'll say, I don't know enough about it. They'll offer an opinion. Once people begin to talk that way, you're through with most of the problems. But when you give everybody a right to their own opinion, you're damaging people. That's very true. Um, and it's it's difficult to explain to people what you generally mean by that, and that's such a hot-button issue, and I usually have to remind them, is that it's not that Jock doesn't want you to think for yourself. Opinions are not thinking. Opinions are conjecture and guesswork. Don't settle for some half-assed opinion. Go research and find out what you're actually talking about before you go running off at the mouth and doing damage to people. That's what we mean by a right to your own opinion. So many people, they, they think that their opinion is some expression of their freedom, and they don't even take into account that you can do so much damage with an opinion. You know, uh, the, the answers I usually give in the examples is like the, the opinions of the church about whether or not the earth was flat was something that a scientist could be killed for exposing was wrong. You know, Many people were killed. Even in Salem, Massachusetts, women were burned alive as witches. This is in America. So when a person says, give me the good old days, I don't know what they're talking about. I really don't know. Generally, don't, go ahead, Brian. People don't think in terms of, instead of opinions, looking up access to information. That's what people should have, more information to yep. arrive different opinions from that are more related to the real world. Yep, that's very true. And, uh, you know, the, the Salem thing is actually an excellent example of how people's opinions can become so important to them. 
you know, I have an opinion that there's this invisible man living in the sky, and he says that you're a witch, so we should burn you at the stake. He can't prove it, you know, but he's entitled to his religious opinion, so therefore he has the right to, you know, to burn you at the stake. And it's, people don't understand that opinions can be very much a tool of oppression. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jacques. You got to remember, Neil, that the Bible is subject to interpretation, and that's a major problem with most values. Every time you talk to somebody, it's subject to interpretation. Our language is old, insufficient for communication. What we need is a language that's not subject to interpretation. Mathematics, chemistry, physics, when the doctor writes a prescription, when he prints it, it's made the same way. If you put a blueprint to an automobile, bring it to Japan, Germany, France, England, they turn out the same car. It's not subject to interpretation. Whereas our language is old, insufficient. That's why you have a court of law. That's why you have debate. Because language is subject to interpretation. There'd be no debates in the future. You can't debate uh, scientific information. You can't debate mathematics. You can't debate that which is verifiable. In other words, debate is part of this custom, part of the customs of our society, a phony society of the highest order. You have to remember, though, that if people were were taught scientific theories and and given were more highly educated, then the government couldn't control them. They couldn't get people to go fight wars for them. They they couldn't get people to think one nationality is good and the other is bad. You know, those kind of things come from religion, good, bad, right, wrong. It's a tremendous control device. And it's amazing how science can diffuse that. I remember when they were trying to fix racism issues when I went to school, rather than trying to shame people about it, they just did a an educational program to teach people why the different races look different, about how people with darker skin tones were adapted to hot climates and people with lighter skin tones were adapted to colder climates and people with slanted eyes were adapted to dusty climates. It's all evolution. It all was you know, ironically, your body reacting to the environment, just as everything else does. And that's actually something I think that Zeitgeist Moving Forward did a really good job of articulating, was that, yeah, your body already adapts to environment. We've seen that. That's why there are different races. You know, but your mind and, the, and your cultural biases, your, your, your tendencies, you know, for example, if you come from a violent culture, you may be predisposed towards violent behavior because that's what your mind has interpreted as, well, that's what I need to survive here. If we change the environment to fix that, then there will be no violence. Your whole culture is based on movies, books. All the patterns are always the same. And that's the way you control people, by making them uniform. People really think they're individuals today. What a crock. Yep, that's very true. It, it's hard for people to understand that, they, and they don't want to give it up. They're thinking, well, I am an individual, and you know, and we all have individual experiences, and individual rights are paramount, but it, it, to believe that you know, it's, it's not created by your environment is just wrong. You can see that. It's obvious. Yeah, you're an individual because you have individual experiences. I know of a case where a very important man in the community talked with a list. And everybody in the court picked up that list. You understand that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see it even just in, like, uh, accents. Like, when I lived in the South, I started to develop a Southern accent. 
when I lived in the north, I started to develop because uh, I lived in the inner city. The you know the ghetto accent. I you know when I get angry sometimes. It still comes out <laughs> to this day if I get really mad. Um, you know, and yeah, it's it, you you end up adapting completely, and and mannerisms change too. Yeah, when they say give me the good old days, a lot of Americans don't know there were three million members in the Ku Klux Klan. Did you know that? I believe it. Did you know that George Washington had 300 slaves? <laughs> the man would be arrested today. Yep. In other words, all these people that you're taught to admire are the bums and the degraded people of our society. You don't have any. You have very few sane people today. That's very true. The The thing about the Founding Fathers is something most people are not aware of and they don't consider it. And, and they often, they, they, they talk about them almost like they're gods, you know, like they're the gods of the United States. And they say, well, you know, these people, these Founding Fathers, they laid out these ideas of private property. And I always say, yeah, you know, the private property, including that these Founding Fathers thought that other human beings could be private property. Yeah, that's definitely a path to freedom. <laughs> and during that time, only... The wealthy landowners could vote. The other white people who didn't have the land couldn't vote. The blacks couldn't vote. The women couldn't vote. I don't know what they're talking about, the good old days, the Constitution. And uh, George Washington was one of our most wealthy presidents. He was equivalent to $535 million today. Yep, I believe it. That's, it's, it's unfortunate that people who don't know their history, they think they do. They They, they read the romanticized version of it, but... You know, I'm fortunate that I had a, a mentor in Senator Gravel who was a historian about the Constitution and how it got started, and he's the one who exposed a lot of this stuff to me, and I went and looked it up, and it's all true. In fact, that there were many of the Founding Fathers who just wanted it to be the new aristocracy. Yeah, they were shedding the, the nobility, the you know, the king, but they were just going to set themselves up as the new aristocracy, all the while telling everybody that they're free because they get to vote for one of the rich people that's been pre-selected and decide which one they like. People people believe in words, you know, the power of words. They go and fight and die and give their lives for words like freedom and democracy that mean nothing. Yep. You're about as free as your purchasing power. That's true. And even democracy is an illusion. It's all it's all controlled by the corporations. You know, and that's why they the, the people who have so much faith that if they can just get the right people elected, I I've been I've been a candidate. I know what it's like and it's all owned by corporations. You can either be a whore for the corporations and get elected or not be a whore for the corporations and not stand a chance. There's extremely rare individuals who happen to be get, who happen to get into Congress like Ron Paul or Kucinich who who just happen to really know their their population and know their um you know know their constituents, but even they have to they're limited by the what the system will allow them to do. Um so now this next question and and I I even hate to ask this, but I understand why it's being brought up. Uh now, while I, as the person says, uh, while I fully support the movement, I recently saw that the Venus Project has a for-profit component to it called Venus Project Incorporated, as well as the non-profit side. I was just curious as to why this is. Um, go ahead if you want to. I've got an answer, too. You know, we, we, um, we started this, well, I started this 35 years ago with Jacques. Jacques's been at this a long time before I was. And when we, when we came to uh, Venus, we, we named the, the corporation, actually, the Venus Project, and we got incorporated. We weren't sponsored by anybody else. We didn't have an organization. Nobody worked with us. We were making books and videos, and we were 
we were um, we put up the land for this money and we built all everything with our own money through outside jobs. As I said, we weren't sponsored at all. So we were selling our books and videos. That's what we put all our money towards, experimental architecture and making books and videos to introduce other people to this direction. And we started selling. We were advised to become incorporated because if you become in, if somebody tries to sue you, they could take your land. We couldn't afford that. So we we had to incorporate for our own protection. At the time, we tried three times to become a nonprofit organization, and we couldn't get that status. It wasn't until a lot later when we could get that. So we're still working with that incorporation, corporation, because you you need it in this in this day and age for for taxes to protect yourself, and that's what we're using it for. And, uh, saying it's incorporated, but we have a nonprofit called Future by Design. And it's, well, it's important also for people to understand, because I'm even having to do it, and I don't even make that much money, you know, with V Radio, but it's also about taxes. You can't sell stuff unless you have a tax code, and if you're going to be a business, you have to have a registered business, or you go to jail. That, that's just the way it is. It's not like they have the option, you know, if, and if they, so if you want to sell videos and books, you're going to have to have a corporation so that you have a tax status. We don't like it, but we can either do that or we can go to prison. So, uh, you know, we're working to, you know, to spread knowledge of how we could eventually get rid of everything like taxes and money. But we still have to feed ourselves in the meantime. So, you know, I mean, they, they're always looking for something to call us hypocritical for. So let me ask you this. Is it better that these people, and I'm, I'm going to say this because I've been to their home. You know, I, I know Jacques and Roxanne, okay? They're, they're not just people on the Internet to me. I've been to their house. All of their money, whether it's for-profit for or earned or non-profit earned, goes right back into this direction. That's all these people do with their lives. They don't, they don't go on fancy vacations. They don't own fancy cars. They don't have a bunch of garbage in their house. You know, they're not over-consumers. This is their lives. So would it be more hypocritical of them to, you know, to make money selling education to get rid of the need for money, or would it be better for them to both get jobs whoring themselves to some corporation somewhere? You know, it's one way or the other. These are your choices. And for one, I'm going to say that I'm glad that they're spending their time working on books and working on, you know, videos to teach people about why we don't need money anymore as opposed to having to go to work somewhere in the aerospace aerospace industry or, you know, whatever. You know, if that's the best they can do, it's crap. Actually, actually, I had a business doing architectural renderings and models for so many years before the mortgage crisis hit, and that was the end of the, the work. All of that, you know, I was whoring out my ability to do renderings and models to make houses that wear out and break down, ostentatious houses. It was like in the, in the um, marketing, in, in the advertising business as part of that. So, and all of that money, I made a lot of money. I, you know, I thought for me that was a lot of money that I made, and I put it all back into this. That's what helped build this. So I thought that was fine. I was taking that money and putting it into something worthwhile. But we had no sponsorship, so this is what we had to do. We had to have outside businesses and outside jobs to to build this place, and and we did it all. We. We, I did the cement work on the buildings. Jacques designed it all. Jacques made the hundreds of models, and you know we took the pictures. We did the drawings. I mean, now we're having help by the Venus Project design team, which has been wonderful to animate some of Jacques' drawings. 
but it took years and years of model work and photography and building all the apparatuses to take the photographs, the videos, and buying the cameras, buying the editing equipment. It took years of model making and filming just to do a 15-minute piece. So, you know, and nobody else was helping us. So when people say, well, you should be transparent with your money, you know, they're not giving us anything. They're not doing it. I, it always I found very strange. That's very true, Roxanne. I mean, I hope that that little rant explained it to people, but it kind of comes down to, yeah, they have a for-profit business that makes just enough money to keep them going on this direction. It's not like, you know, Alex Jones, who has a for-profit business and has jet skis and lives on the lake and has a giant house, you know, I mean, it's it's not like any of these other people who are trying to be activists who drive Rolls Royces or whatever, you know, it's, you guys live a very simple lifestyle of education and scientific study and endeavor. I, I don't find that to be in any fashion selfish. We built several buildings to experiment with building processes, but each building, you know, they're very small. And it's we didn't take out any mortgages. We just built when we had the next job. And we used all the buildings for housing models, two different shops, you know, a, a um, filming building. Uh, you know, our house is 700 square feet. It's very small. We don't live luxuriously, but we built this place, and it's very beautiful to show what the outskirts of the cities would look like. You know, when you're in one building, the you don't see another building, although it might be close, but because of the way the trees are arranged in an S-shaped pattern or the the landscape and the canals that we built, we dug a lot of waterways. So it, it really is a beautiful environment to show that everybody could live this way. I also met, want to mention while we're talking about this and supporting the project that how we support the project now is through our the Venus Project tours. It's very difficult to go out all around the world again and to lecture, so people come here now, which is much easier for Jacques and us, although we still do some traveling. But um, so we check out our website under Get Involved in Tours, and people come from all around the world. And Jack speaks for many, many hours about this direction. And when, when you walk out, you you walk out very differently than when you come in. You understand yourself and the world around you much, much more, and you'll understand the Venus Project much more. And we do charge for it, but you get over a hundred dollars worth of books and videos. And um, Jack speaks for five six hours sometimes, and and the the money does go to help support this project. That's how we're doing it now. Yep. I You know, and I, I just don't find any fault in that. You guys are direct and upfront about it. If anybody wants to go look into it, it's pretty damn obvious when you go to their house. And that's why I tell people that really annoy me on the Internet that, that make all these ridiculous accusations. They go, well, you're just taking what these people say at face value, et cetera, et cetera. No. I went to their house. I got to know them as people and not just for the tour. They're real people you know, if they were bankrolled by the Rockefellers, then why are we working so hard to keep their land? You know, it, there's so much ridiculousness out there. You know, if if you have questions, go ask them yourself. Stop being cowards and spending your time on the Internet throwing insults at people that you've never met. You know, it's really easy to talk to them. Another thing I wanted to mention is people come here and say, well, I, do you still live on the grid? And we do because it was either a choice of making some of these designs that Jack has to live self to live sustainably, you know, off the grid because he has many many designs for this, we could have done it, 
but it meant putting our money toward that and living very well or making books and videos and getting editing equipment and making the models. And that's the route we went because we wanted to introduce this to the rest of the world. And we couldn't even get our book published. We pay for our books, and it costs a lot of money to print those books. It's a big picture book, too, a lot of color photographs. So we believe in this, and that's what we do with our funding. We put it right back in it. Now, I also wanted to take that moment actually to remind you guys, because uh, and, and to remind the listeners, uh, you guys gave me permission to try to look into the possibility of a fundraiser for getting you guys a solar array to get your electricity, you know, and all that off the grid. So it's something I'm still working on putting together. When the time comes, the fundraiser, I'll let you guys know, but essentially we'll kind of do it in a money bomb fashion, and all the money will go directly to the Venus Project. You know, no third parties. Um, I'll give you guys more details on that when the time comes. We just need to get a we need to get a, a estimate on how much it's going to cost, so we know what the target number is. So um, that all being said, we have more questions. Let me go ahead and get to them now. Um, now, uh, Jacques, would you be interested in speaking at more universities in the next few months? And if so, what kind of arrangements would the local chapter have to make? Um. Yeah, uh, Jack would be interested in speaking at universities, but it would it would have to be sponsored now. You know, this world lecture tour we went on, we paid for everything. We and we had to travel on long distances, business class, because Jack, for his health, had to put his feet up. Um, so we paid for the the travel, we paid for the hotels, we paid for the food, we paid for the venues, we paid for the advertising that the Zeitgeist members did. And a lot, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, yeah, look, at they went on the world lecture tour and got all this money. We just about broke even because the venues were so expensive, too, in a lot of places that we weren't aware of. And, um, you know, some of the venues were $12,000, $7,000 to rent the place for three hours. So it kind of eats up any funds you get. Um, so we couldn't do that again. Uh, we were hoping on the tour, uh, you know, the tour was really worthwhile. That's not the only reason we went on the tour to help support this project financially, but it was really worthwhile, all the people we met and and the people, I think, that, that were influenced and learned more about this direction and just to to meet them and see them and learn about what they know and, and everything else and see what they're doing. It, that was just as worthwhile even when we learned we weren't making money on it that was fine but now we can't do that anymore if we have a lecture at a university we have to be sponsored we would both travel there they'd have to pay for the for the travel for the food for the hotel and an honorarium for the lecture just like any other you know just like universities do they pay for the speakers so that those arrangements would have to be made because we just can't take it on anymore Yep, well, that basically answers that. Um, let me go ahead and move on now. We have one more question that was in the list, and then there are people who have questions in the chat room. Um, what are your thoughts on suicide? Do you think it is inherently bad to decide not to live? Well, if a person has an incurable disease, uh, a very later stages of cancer, and if life is no longer worthwhile, they should have the right to make that decision. I believe that's up to each individual. I think if somebody has a value system that's warped and wants to commit suicide because it's so painful to live and they can't, they have no tools to think anything out. And, you know, I, I, 
I think what's necessary is help for people that way, to give them a value system so they can look at the world and a platform to look at it and work out their problems. That's really the job that has to be taken on in the future so within a resource-based economy. Letters we get from people. Yeah, Jack is mentioning. We get so many letters from people saying that that we we give them hope, we give them a reason to live. We even get people say we were going to commit they were going to commit suicide, but they've learned about the Venus Project and this value system, and read Jack's books and listened to the lectures, and it's really helped them to look at the world and feel that that they're not the ones that are crazy. <laughs> it's it's really the the values out there and the and the system that we live under. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, all right. That was the end of the questions that we had. We still have plenty of time. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring a caller on the air. Uh, caller from the 850 area code, you're on the air. Hi. Um, first time caller and listener, but um, I've followed the Venus Project for a, not quite a while, for a little bit, and I just want to say um, I, I think it's a great idea in I just want to know, what is it we can do just to help you guys along? Because um, when I heard about a resource-based economy, it's what I've been thinking all this while is, why do we even need a monetary system? So your question is, how can they help? How, how can you help? Yeah, how I mean, can, how can exactly, you help them? Yeah, how exactly can we help? Come down on the tour. Well, the first thing is really learn about this direction as much as you can so you can talk to others about it and you can introduce this direction to others in any way you can. If you're an artist, you can put it into your work somehow. If you write music and sing, do it that way. If you write for magazines or, or newspapers, you know, introduce this direction in, in any way that you can. Um, even just learning about it and talking to people and helping to answer questions is a tremendous contribution contribution <clears throat> you can get the books and videos if you can't we have a lot of free information free ebooks on our website so i would say learn as much as you can come to the tours if you if you're able to and um you know the the thing that we want to do next as Jeff mentioned is a major motion picture um and I don't know if you're in a position to do to help with that, or you can if you know anybody who who is in that business. And well, can I ask you um, a question, Roxanne? Is that um, sure. it's not anything serious, but uh, me and a couple of my friends we do um, just a small radio show on talk show. And we actually were had just seen Zeitgeist Three, and we're talking about the Venus Project. Would you guys be interested in on coming on and explaining more about it? Sure. Yeah, that's We're, actually very easy to set up. Um, their phone number is available on the Venus Project website. We're very accessible. Yep, it's actually that's that's why I tell people that they think like it's this big dark art to talk into Jacobac and Sam, but to just go to their website, their phone number is there. And all the emails that come into the website, I see. So, yeah. All right. Just drop me an email. Send an email to to any of the emails on the website, and I'll get it. And if you're doing All a right. video, and if you're doing a radio show that's related to this direction, please make sure you email me and I'll add you to my website oh, and yeah, I'll help I promote was, your I was, show. I was um I was listening to you too. I mean, I want you to go on too, but um 
but um, I'll be happy to come on. That's fine. Um, but you know, but either way, let's help you promote your show too. So get me a link and and also, you know, I'll 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 spread it around. We can talk more later. Um, do you have my website? Um. Yeah, I believe I do. V hyphen radio dot org. My contact okay. information is there. Get in contact with me, and we'll definitely I'll help you set that up. All right, thank you. And um, I'm just really excited about um, this this whole project you guys have set up because we're always asking, well, what can we do? What can we do? And this is something that everyone can look forward to for a better future. You know, so. Yes, I don't. You know, the the activists march in the streets and they complain about things, that, but they're safe. They don't offer an alternative. This was the only viable alternative that I ever saw. And you so, said and you were I, an architect, um, correct? No, no, I was, um, I was a, I was an artist. I was a fine artist, which equips you for absolutely nothing. And when I met Jacques, he taught me how to do technical art and how that applies to being able to draw anything at all. That's, that's the problem with the artists today. They go to school and they're not taught technical illustration, and really the laws behind art. So. Um, you know, then I started doing Jacques. I learned how to do models on Jacques' models, which was fascinating and really exciting. And then I thought, well, maybe I can make a living out of this. And I started prostituting myself and doing it for for ad agencies and architects and developers. And that's actually helped support the project, so I didn't feel too badly. Was there anything else, caller? Because we have other callers too. No, no, no. That was it. Um, don't want to take more than your time, but thank you and have a good day. No problem. Be sure to get in touch with me. Thank you for coming on the radio. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay, now I'm going to bring on caller from the 661 area code. You're on the air. Hello? Hello. You're welcome to V Radio. Oh, awesome. Hey, what's up, Neil? This is uh, EJ. Oh, hey, EJ. I was actually going to add you via Skype if this works. Um, Did you have a question? Oh, um, yes, I did. Um, First of all, I want to say... um, it's 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 an honor to actually talk even over the radio to you guys. Um I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. It's it's awesome. But um my question my question is I want to um assist in the, the, the technical the, the technological uh aspect of the Zeitgeist movement. I have like um I have ideas. I'm not a scientist or anything, but you know, um I wanna try to you know, have someone to look at them and tell me, Hey, this will work or this won't work or hey let's Let's work on this a little bit more. Try taking this uh, path or something like that. And also in my chat, I have another guy who's also the same. He has many ideas, and basically we want to put out, we want to basically get our hands dirty, so to speak. And um, you know, where, where do we go? How do how do we how do we uh, um, how do we take the next step? What do we do? Should you? They're asking what they can do to to gain the technical knowledge to help you, Jacques. What can they do to gain the technical knowledge to help you? Well, you can attend our tour and learn more about the Venus Project, and then you'll be able to answer all kinds of questions. You're talking about technical knowledge. They want to do that. Um, you know, we're just not in a position right now to to take on different people's technology. A lot of people write to us about different designs that they have, but we can't even do anything with with a lot of Jacques designs, but we do have a professional database. Check out the VenusProjectDesign.com. Um, if, if 
and um, sign up there because when we're in a position to really start something, we'd like to call on, on a lot of people and they'd like to help in that way. So that's very important. And if you do CAD work, if you do 3D animations, the Venus Project Design animation team are right now doing, Jacques has literally thousands of different inventions and, and designs for cities and all spectrum of the social sequences, and they're animating his designs. And we're going to be using them in, in films and, and other media. So that's really important. If you'd like to help in that way, that would be wonderful. You can drop us an email. And also okay, people saying how they wanted to get involved, but you know, join the movement as well, or start start a chapter in your own area if, you, if there isn't one. Well, actually, um, we've we've uh, accomplished that. I mean, uh, I'm, no no one's probably ever heard of it because it's so new. But the Daytona chapter is now started. Um, we have like a handful of members, but you know. Mm -hmm. um, we're working to, to gain more. We actually plan on attending the, the I believe it's the function in Stewart, Florida, Florida coming up on February 13th, I believe. And also we do plan on making a trip down to Venus for the tour. So, like we're, we're we're trying to. That's great. You're really close. Yeah. That's really good, EJ. Um, and now EJ, you're also a radio host, just getting started. Could you you please tell everybody about your radio show quickly? Oh, um, sure. Uh, basically, my radio show is just um, random talk. I don't really talk about anything special. Um, we talk about life. One of my topics, which is one of my favorites, was uh, educating yourself and using the Internet as a source for knowledge. There's so much knowledge on the Internet that, you know, of course you're going to have some, some, you know, some, some not so accurate knowledge, but if you study enough, you can figure out what's the right stuff to pick out from the where, where can they now. go listen to you though that that's the important part <laughs> oh uh, i'm on blog talk radio or uh sometimes i post in the zeitgeist site that i'm about to do a, a show um i believe my name on the blog talk radio is earl johnson e-a-r-l-j-o-h-n-s-o-n you can look up me there look me up there or i'm a friend to vtv on v radio <laughs> so yeah i heard that vtv guy is kind of cool <laughs> yeah he's very cool i like that <laughs> All right. Anyway, thanks a lot, EJ, for calling in. We've got other callers. All right, man. Thanks. No problem. All right. Um, caller from the 559 area code, you're on the air. Caller from the 559 area code. Oh. Hello? Okay. Hi. Oh, there we go. Hi. Welcome to V Radio. Oh, hey. Oh, I didn't know it was me up next. That was quick. Uh, this is Peter Perez from Austin, Texas. I am the co-host for the uh, Zeitgeist Live television show. We're going on our second season, and our everything that we do, our inspiration, uh, our love, is really a labor of love. You know, everybody's volunteer as a part of the show, and we're really amateurs at what we're doing, but I feel like it's coming together very nicely, and I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be able to share this information with you. Um, Roxanne and Jacques, you guys are our deep inspiration to us. Uh, we, we were planning a road trip to come see you guys in Venus. Uh, I would love to reach out in the future. This is later on down the road, but I'd love to reach out to you guys and let you know that we would love to come down there um, and and just absorb all of the knowledge that really you guys have put together down in Venus, Florida. And really, really, like, uh, I getting a little emotional just thinking about it and, and watching D3 
the, the latest film at the end, it's just, just so exciting to see all of this solidarity and this energy coming together and, and just creation. It's really what it's all about. We're creating a world with, you know, the possibility to take care of everybody, you know, not just a select few. So really what I wanted to address here, now that I'm able to speak with you, um, is really kind of the the um, the approach that everybody's taking is they want to get into uh, and getting involved. You still there? Did we lose him? Uh, we may have. Let me look on the switchboard. Are you still there, caller? <laughs> it figures. Unfortunately, he finally got to his question and then he, he cut out, so... Um, I have kind of an unorthodox question that I'm going to ask um, Jacques on behalf of Terry from the uh, ZM UK radio station. Um, and it, it has to do with what do you think will happen to industries like pornography in the future? When boys and girls swim nude as children, pornography disappears. Pornography is due to scarcity. Pornography is due to lack because when I went to the islands when I was very young, uh, the primitive people swim nude and no male ever stared at a female body or collected pictures of nude women. There were no fetishes and there was no peeping toms. Do you understand? Yes, absolutely. And I guess yeah. what you're saying is, is that the, the whole... Uh, the whole taboo will go away and with that any special fetishes without without using signs and notes and saying don't do this and don't do that you don't need that when you have a saner society uh, all of the old systems that are not based on real understanding will fade away yep i agree with you um, all right, it looks like the caller came back. Let's give this another try. Caller from the 661 area code, you're back on the air. Hello? You still there? Okay. All right, I let's try I, that again. You got I to your question, so you back. were just getting ready to say it, and then you Ye cut out. <laughs> well, I appreciate the patience. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, but really, just to sum it all up, um, a lot of people are really looking for things to do, and and I just want to reiterate that we, we're really building the communication front, the front that really puts forth the message and in, in what the Venus Project is, advocating a resource-based economy, and getting the basic fundamental blueprints, if you will, because this is really a proposal to repair the damage that has been done to culture. And a lot of people want to get involved and want to jump into that, but I really think we, we need to continue to re-emphasis uh, or put the emphasis into passing along the message and then getting to the point where we can start doing the blueprints of a resource-based economy where really the communicators, if, if you so feel like that's what you want to do, step forward and communicate it. But we have to learn how a resource-based economy can repair the damage that has been done to culture because I, I, I really think people want to jump into something and then figure it all out later, but we need to figure it out first. Um, if, if Roxanne and Jacques could comment on that, I would, I would love to hear um, 
really their viewpoint and 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 I guess ultimately because you, you, you did a lot of I'm sorry I just just to make sure we get that straight because we we do we do this a lot during Q and A's could you clarify exactly what you want them to comment on because you said a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah really just the emphasis on being communicators just for right now communicating the resource based economy communicating how we get into that stage, that transition stage, and get ready for those blueprints, and building partners with other green organizations. Well, it, we do think that first people have to learn about this direction. They have to be able to talk about it. They, If they don't know about it accurately, it, that's the extent that it won't make it. So... Um, it's very important that they that they know about this. Come to the tours. That's important too. In terms of the blueprints, we've been working on blueprints. We've been Jacques's been working on all aspects of this system technically. You know, from city designs, transportation, energy, a lot of different things. But mainly a new value system. That is the most important. A lot of people want to get out and just start doing something. Well, you could. It's fine, you can go out and, and make a sustainable little community, but that is not the solution to the problems. As the culture exactly. starts to fall apart, then if you have a very nice community and you're eating well and you have a nice high fence, they're going to break down that fence if they're hungry. It's really a total global system that we have to work on. Even if we get a first community going, it's it's to make the blueprints and the technology and the automated systems for the next for the next city to make it bigger and have people come from all over the world to that city and and view it and then go back and build a city in their own community or in their own country or introduce it to the politicians or the governments if if they're still around but that's the trouble with Egypt they have nothing to advocate they don't know where to go yet they don't know and if they had knowledge about this system it could be quite exciting. So it's it's really spreading the word right now and spreading it enough so people can describe it and have a good understanding about it. And hold events. If you want to do things, hold events and 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 be able to, to talk to your community. You know, there's a lot you can do. We haven't stopped doing things for thirty five years since since I've been in with it. Now, uh, somebody in the chat room just uh, told me that apparently the documentary that you watched uh, earlier, Roxanne, that you mentioned was called Pyramids of Waste. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, just it's about okay. Yeah, I just wanted to let people know, and and since I'm kind of a documentary <laughs> junkie, I wanted to. I was curious. <laughs> um, well, caller, did you have anything else? Uh, I just, if I could take a um, just a real. Maybe a minute. Um, I'll talk about the things that we're doing here in Austin, Texas, and maybe uh, if anyone else is interested in those same things as far as uh, TV production, radio, and film, uh, and trying to pull from the, the talent uh, that is really out there. There's a lot of talented, creative people out there that fundamentally want to see culture uh, repaired from the centuries of damage that has been done where people think that abuse is just a natural occurrence in the uh in in culture across the globe and and really it's really not the case so we're here in in Austin Texas and we started a TV show um it's we're we're showing it at Wednesday nights 
10 p.m. There's a, a website, channelaustin.org, on Channel 16 for anybody who wants to um, check it out. We also have zeitgeistlive.tv, and you can check out our website there. We have all of our past shows archived there. Uh, really, we're looking for other people who want to do the same thing that we're doing in a remote, lo- in an other location across the world. And really, we're trying to become a hub of information where anyone who's new to the movement and wants to get involved can watch these in- these shows and information and become motivated by the other thousands of people across the world who agree with this, understand it fundamentally and want to be a part of it, we exclude nobody. Even the people who are are um, still have that anxiety and still fear letting go of this money paradigm, this is a way to help allow them to ask the questions on a regular basis because Jacques and Roxanne, really, they, they are so busy, and I would love to give them an opportunity to kind of sit back and look around and and watch all these people being able to explain what a resource-based economy is uh with little to no effort and and that's what we're trying to do it's it's education to the max really uh we really are trying to get this information out creatively if you're interested in making film if you're interested in musically talented we're we're looking for all of that, and and if you want to get in touch with us, you can email me. I'm also on Facebook. My name is uh, Peter Perez. You can find me on Facebook uh, easily in Austin, Texas. Get in touch with us, and we'll showcase all of that. If it's thought provoking, if it's in in line with the resource based economy, we are here to give that outlet for those people. And Jacques and Roxanne, I really have you guys to thank for all of this and Peter Joseph and uh, all of the work that everybody has done to, just to get the movie out there. Uh, everything's been a huge success, and, and that's and that really means a lot to all of us here. So thank you. All right. I also want to mention briefly that we have a YouTube channel um, that we're always putting new things up there, and we're interviewing, you know, we're, we're filming Jacques every couple of days on a different topic, and we're putting up, you know, the different footage up there, and he really goes in-depth about a lot of different things, and it's it's a course in itself. And we're going to be putting these tapes out there as cheaply as we can, too. We're going to put pieces of it, of it on YouTube, and then you can order it because it does help support the project, and we'll, um, it, it's very informative on the different value systems and answering different questions, talking about behaviorism or talking about law or talking about... Um, relationships, all different topics. All right, excellent. Um, well, uh, folks, now is the time. We've still got plenty of time. I've got, you got no excuse now. I've got a phone number that's local to New York, a phone number that's um, toll-free. Call the one that's local to New York if you can, because the toll-free one costs me money. Um, I've also got a uh, Skype account. You can add that. It's VTV115 if you happen to be calling from out of the country. Um, just PM me on Skype and to tell me that you want to be added to the call um, if you're interested. It looks like I do have a caller here. Let me go ahead and enable their mic. Um, caller from the 661 area code. Did you have another? Did you have a question? They might just be a listener. All right. Well, that being the case, I'll just go ahead and mute them. Um, looks like we have Edgar. 
Let me ask him if he wanted to be added. Once again, everybody, thank you for tuning in to V Radio. You can visit my website, V Radio, um, vradio.org, v-radio.org. Um, check out lots of other great interviews that I've had with Jacques and Roxanne, with Peter Joseph, with Ben Stewart from Chimatica, several great filmmakers, scientists, um, lots of good discussions, um, things of that nature that you guys can check out on the Internet um, on V Radio. You see if this person wants to be added. <laughs> Did you want to be added to the call? Okay. So, in any case, I'm going to go ahead and add them then. At least I think that's what they're... Yeah, people are, this is the only problem with doing it on Skype is if they don't tell me right away. Um, let me go ahead and uh, bring them on. Hello, Mr. Perez. Um, did you have something you wanted yes. to add? Oh, I've I've had a lot to share, but if you're if you're willing to uh, uh, keep me on here, I'll, I've got a lot that's going on here in Austin, Texas. Uh, oh, okay, this is the, the same person who was just on. Yeah, in the future, I always use Skype. The sound quality is much better. Let me add somebody who hasn't been on yet, though, so just stay quiet for the moment. Absolutely. Um, all right. Now dialing into Abnor three one one. You're on the air. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hi, welcome to V Radio. Um, I'm having a delay, so uh, because I live in Sweden, and I'm so nervous that I'm talking to Jock. <laughs> uh, That's the wonders uh, of the internet, my friend. But uh, yeah, um, we promise uh, he won't bite you through Skype. You're gonna make Jack. <laughs> You're making Jock nervous. All right, well, go ahead. Um, well, you know, in the early stages, if we n- if we now you know um, um, put up a city, uh, or you know, we come forward with the Venus project and spread it out, um, you know, in the early stages, there are so many co- cultural uh, people, and uh, my question is, uh, you know, there will be. Uh, uh, so many uh, opinions on uh, if, uh, like, uh, a woman should have abortion and stuff. So, will um, who will protect the women? Because there are some cultures that just like want to kill uh, the women that try to try to make abortion or hom- people being homosexual. That's an interesting question. Um, did you guys hear essentially what he was asking? Yeah. How do we protect women who choose to get abortions or homosexuals in a resource-based economy? Or anything that is related to opinions in the early stages of the what do we do about that? Well, we educate people in the Venus Project so that they can make the decisions about their own lives. Nobody tells you what to do. You have to make your own decisions as to your own lifestyle and what you prefer to do. What about others that want to kill them if they make an abortion? They do an abortion. Well, not in the Venus Project, they don't. They're educated to think in terms of the Venusians or the Venus Project adherents. The people that accept the Venus Project accept the values that go with it. Those that don't do not live in the Venus Project. They choose not to 
but I feel eventually. All right. Go ahead and continue, Jocko. Were you, were you finished? Well, I would say that the people that are educated in the procedures of the Venus Project respect all human beings and their decisions. But they're educated to understand how we relate to nature and one another. No more artificialities. The religious people in the Venus Project will be people that are doing things to make the world a better place, not just a verbal hobby. Religion to me today is a verbal hobby. I would rather see people putting it into practice by making a world without racism, prejudice, bigotry, or money. There's also something to consider about this is that the kinds of circumstances that would cause a woman to seek an abortion would be uh, far less prevalent in a resource-based economy. Um, there was uh, something that came up in that film, I'm forgetting the name of it, it had the big blue glowing guy in it, and you know, it was another one of those films that believed in human nature. And you know, they, they brought up the situation of the man shooting the woman that he had made pregnant. And I pointed out that in a resource-based economy, none of that would have ever taken place. That woman wouldn't have sought the relationship with that man because she wanted to get out of her impoverished country. Um, the, the woman, if she had gotten pregnant, would not need him to help take care of the baby, so she wouldn't even need to talk to the jerk again. You know, the, the, whole, the whole issue would never come up. That's why people, they, they, don't, they think of it in terms of, you know, you know what, ba what aberrant behavior causes, and they forget that, you know, the root cause of aberrant behavior is, is what gets rid of it. You know, there would be no reason for anybody to be in a position like that woman was in in that film, and I'm kicking myself for not thinking of the name, but... Um, you know, they, that, the crux of that film that was very misleading was, yes, Watchmen, thank you, somebody in the chat room brought it up, um, you know, that, that was supposedly a human nature film, and it was, it was all hogwash. We could do things to fix those problems before they ever happened. Exactly that. Remember when primitive life crawled out of the primordial slime, they couldn't help but carry some of the slime with them. It's very difficult for people in this culture to think freely away from the way you've been brought up. Every movie, every book you read presses you into the common value system of the monetary system. Excellent. Um, Caller, um, did you have anything else? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, uh, let's uh, get away from the abortion. Or, um, well, uh, I mean, if, uh, you know, we... Uh, we want to have uh, sex. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you know, people want to have a relationship, but uh, in the early stages, or yeah, I, I see the thing about the education now. It's an educational process. Um, well, if uh, if I have any questions, can I call you at the Venus Project? Can I contact you if I can if I gather up some questions? Yes, um, sometimes a lot of people send us a lot of different questions, and we don't have time to answer them a lot of times because we're, you know, we're still making films here, and we're we're filming models, and we're doing a lot of different things. But we have over a hundred questions and answers on our website. You can check there. Uh, get Jacques' book, The Best That Money Can't Buy. Check out our YouTube channel where Jacques is talking about many different issues. 
And if you still don't find it, you know, then write us. Let us know. We'll we'll do our best to to get to it. Um. And you know, before people go into the city, they'll have a different orientation. They'll have a different education. They'll have similar values to those in the city, which would be more open. People wouldn't be restricted in terms of not being able to have abortion or other other restrictions like that. It's just like if you want to learn how to fly, you go to an aviation school. If you learn want to learn how to be a, a doctor, they send them to medical school. It's the same thing learning about the values and direction of a resource-based economy. You have to study that. It's a new it's a new topic to to, to so many. It's um. like learning new language, you know, it's so foreign foreign to the values of today. Um by the way, um do you do you have any plan of uh or do you have a um, educational process of uh, how to uh for example tell educate people on how physics wor- works or the best way to uh, you know um uh grow up a human without any social influence with the the least uh, social influences do you have any plans or i or i mean do you yes. have any yes we do we teach you how to think out problems how to become creative how to learn how to invent you see i think that everybody can be like leonardo da vinci only a lot of people that do that kind of work don't know how to teach people they don't know how to teach people to be creative you can learn to be creative anyone can learn but a lot of people that are creative have never been trained in teaching other people how to be creative we cover everything from mining of materials to the construction of cities buildings transmission lines mass production an introduction to all aspects of the social complex. Um do you have a book for the education p- process to yes, do it in the fastest? Yeah. Yes, we do. It's called the best that money can buy. That okay, say, is, yeah. yeah. Um thank you a lot. Uh it's a great honor uh, for me. Um and uh Have a great life, I suppose, until we see you next time. Thank you very much. See, that wasn't so bad. You didn't you didn't uh encounter any problems there. No reason to be uh <laughs> to be scared. Yeah, I I'm shaking. I'm literally say shaking, but because well, it's like the second time I'm speaking English. So Well, it sounds to me like you're doing just fine. You should come and practice with us on TeamSpeak 3 sometime and I'm always looking for panelists from other countries for my radio show, so you stay in touch, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. No problem. Your, your English was very good. Yeah, for being the second time, I thought you've been doing it for a while. <laughs> But um now very well. Yep. Now I, Go ahead, Jacques. I thought he expressed himself very well i agree um now there's a there's a person giving me a pm here and he's not a very good english speaker so he doesn't want to call in but he said um i wonder about the process of transition from the current system to the rbe roxanne said it has to be global for it to be successful but about time it would take to make that happen um would it be like the transition i guess essentially they're just they're asking 
you know, if we could make a transition um, starting with less than global? Well, there's a lot of steps that have to be taken before it gets global, a lot of work. But, you know, a lot of people ask us, when will it happen? When will you do this? When will you build the first city? I think you mentioned this already. But it, we have no money. Jacques and I have no money. We have no power. We just work at it to introduce this direction to others. And if other people don't do the same, I can assure you nothing's going to happen. So it depends on what everybody does out there to learn about it and talk about it. All right. There's no other way to make it known except that you talk to people about it. Yeah. And 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 get Jack's book, you know, The Best That Money Can't Buy. There's, there's so much information in that. You know, Jack talks about sunny day in May when he read a book trying to find out how how the Wright brothers flew. And he got this book with great anxiety to learn how the Wright brothers flew. And it started with, it was a sunny day in May and Mrs. Orville Wright was hanging or hanging clothes on the clothesline. And he, he really got upset because it gave him no information. So he had to wade through the whole book until he got the end to the end where they stuck a wire in the, in the wings and they flew it and they, pigeon. yeah, pigeon. And, um, but my point is Jacques book, has no sunny day in May. Everything's relevant and pertinent and gives you a lot of information, and that's the best that money can't buy. So, um, and that's a lot of the information from Peter's films about the Venus, about yes, about the Venus Project and a resource-based economy came from that book. So it'll be very helpful to you. All right. People were asking if the the radio program stopped, and it hasn't. Uh, my suggestion is if you haven't already. For some reason you're having trouble hearing, always refresh the page, but the show is still very much live. Um, I'm going to check out the switchboard. It looks like we have another caller from the 540 area code. You're on the air. Hey, is that me? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm a PhD student in biotechnology, and I, I am aware of technologies that currently exist that can end cancer and aging. And I was wondering what the Venus Project position on biotechnology currently is. What is the Venus Project's position on biotechnology? Biotechnology. What about it? What's, it, what's your position on it? Well, I'm interested in all branches of technology, particularly those that would reduce human suffering and disorders. But we must also include the environment. Man is not a self-operating entity. He needs environment. He needs clean air, clean water. I think that all nations need the same thing. People all over the world need clean water, clean air, nutritious food, and a relevant education. We all need the same thing. If you don't understand that by now, you're losing out. The nations of the world that operate separately really are very poorly educated. That's why I'm against most universities, most schools, because they don't teach people how to relate to one another, how to find meaning in their own life, how to be able to solve problems in human behavior and understand the world they live in. They do not supply those tools. And as long as they don't, you're going to have problems with humans. They teach people how to be specialists, to be a cog in the wheel, to just get a job. They don't understand that science applies to all aspects of society. 
awesome. Was there anything else, caller? Um, just a small thing. I just to throw out to the listeners of the radio show, and uh, I greatly appreciate the radio show. Is that uh, you know, coincidence detectors like the uh, IL-2 promoter, not to get too technical, can actually basically solve cancer and aging as we know it today. So I just thought I'd throw it out there as an interesting uh, adjunct to the radio show as a whole, and that's actually it. So go ahead. Thank you very much. All right. Well, Hi. thank you for calling in. There's so much, you know, science that becomes tainted within the monetary system. There's going to be, have to be a lot of research in the future once we get off money to find out really what's what, and it'll it'll just explode exponentially. But today, you know, you don't know who's, and I'm not referring to what this person said. I don't know enough about that. But you don't know who's doing the testing and what results they want to come out, out with and what they're trying to sell and how much they're trying to prevent because it 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 um, intrudes into markets that that people have. You know, it's. It's very hard to know what scientific research is real out there and what isn't. It's even corrupted science. All right. Um, now, the the Venus. Pro there's somebody in the chat room asking, "What is the Venus Project's position on transhumanism?" Well, I believe that in the future we will. And go far beyond human systems. And we will design and engineer biological systems so that people are more sensitive, have better memories, and hold more information than they can today. For example, computers can handle 2,000 trillion bits of information today per second. No group of humans can do that. In order for humans to keep up with high tech, we're going to have to modify the human body. And that is much later in the future. I can't discuss what we will be modified to, but we will modify the human body to whatever extent necessary to prolong life and intellect. And such programs would always be voluntary, obviously. I mean, it's we're yes. not going to force anybody to do it. They always go, oh, you're going to put chips in my brain. I'm like, no. Never <laughs> force. Never force. That's actually a really good point that I tell people to study because they always get into this. Like, we have this guy in the chat room right now who's like, you're going to have to force me to do this. I'll never give up my land and all of this. And we're like, dude, we don't want to force you to do anything. <laughs> He's projecting his own values into the Venus Project. Yep, we we answered that question beautifully. I think at a, at the at the interview that we did when I was down in Venus. You know, you said, you know, they don't have to join us; they can live their own lives. You know, we don't order people around. It's not a dictatorship. And and yeah, you're right. They they do project that. They it's people are so scared. They also call us communists. They're so scared of the idea of anybody who says the word share resources. Ah, oh, they're a communist, and then they start flying off on this. You know, oh well, that must also mean they're fascists nonsense and it's just ridiculous. We call those the unappointed guardians of the system. They're, they're scare tactics that they give people to anything that would oppose this system, they call them names and they make it detrimental and they, you know, they say they'll come and take away your resources or whatever you have. So... Go ahead, finish, Roxanne. We've only got 90 seconds left. 
I'm just saying, yeah, that's just propaganda. And the people who say that, they really don't know what socialism, communism, and the free enterprise system is. Ask them. They probably don't even know. And they certainly don't know what the resource-based economy is in the Venus Project because there's nothing to scare anybody within it. Well, that's one of the things about it that I usually tell people is that real communism was never even realized anyway. It was it was just some fascist version. Go ahead, Jock. You got 60 seconds, Jock. <laughs> communism uses money. Communism has armies and navies. Communism has social stratification. Communism has banks. We don't have any of those things. Military. We have nothing in common. Yep, and that's... Communism isn't radical enough at this age. There was a guy who uh, I dealt with at the Michigan Q&A, and he said, well, you know, because you have a rigid city structure, that means you're going to round people up. And I said, so you studied the city model really closely, and that worries you. He's like, well, yeah. I said, did you study it close enough to realize there was no prison in the city? Did you see any fences around the city? Did you see any police officers in the city? Did you see anybody being held against their will? The guy got real quiet. <laughs> but um, thank you very much for being on, guys. Go ahead and say goodbye to the listeners, and I'll talk to you a little bit off the air. Thanks, Neil. We appreciate it a lot. Yes, we really do, Neil. Thank you. Check out the Venusproject.com. Yep, the Venusproject.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and end this one.